This is Millennially Speaking, my personal soapbox about politics, pop culture, and everything in between. I'm David Latimer. This week, we're talking about Facebook and Twitter's political ads, how retail jobs overwork their employees, and why some towns moved their Halloween celebrations. But first, what I want to talk about is a decision by Facebook. Let's start with Facebook to keep political ads on their platform and to not fact check them. So one of the things that Facebook has been known for, especially in 2016 and in the lead up to 2018 and 2020 elections, is the prevalence of fake news. So that's an obvious thing that, of course, we all want to work together to prevent that from happening, you know, fake sources, just creating and fabricating things and uh, putting it out there with the intent to deceive. Um, and, and that's something that Facebook has, you know, said that they want to work on, that multiple social networking platforms have said that they want to work on. And that's that's a completely separate issue. What we're talking about here is when political ads are put out that potentially mislead or are using incorrect or flat-out lies, um, if that is okay. And Facebook has said basically, yeah, that's kind of okay. So their reasoning, Mark Zuckerberg, his reasoning is, and and a lot of advocates for keeping political ads or, or not policing political ads, is that sometimes truth can be relative when it comes to a political position. Um, so I know one thing that has been discussed or, or that, that I came up with as a an example is the abortion debate. For some on the left, they have a different definition of when life begins than those on the right. And if someone on the right were to say that life begins at conception, could somebody on the opposite side, could they flag that and potentially say, no, that's a lie, or vice versa. So something like that, where truth is sort of different depending on where your mindset is and where your political and and ideological beliefs are, can make the difference. Another hypothetical that's been brought up is, could a candidate potentially run an ad on Facebook that lies about the date of election day? And so far, there is no solid consensus on whether or not that is allowed because according to Mark Zuckerberg's own standards, that would technically be allowed. It's a candidate who's able to, you know, say things that aren't true. You also have the very basic idea that politics is a lot of, you know, posturing and, and sort of inflating and um, using flowery, flowery language to get attention and to to it's, it's playing politics that's what politics really is so what is considered a lie and what is considered just bloviating and that's something that Facebook has decided they don't want to get involved in so they they say that they will police things like news outlets and things like that but not uh, political ads what was interesting, what's most interesting about this story is that in the days that followed this, uh, it's not really an announcement, this is sort of uh, Facebook's position that they've always had, they were just sort of reiterating it, Twitter has decided that they will ban political ads completely. 
So whether they're lies, truth, whatever, they are not going to support political ads. And a lot of people are are upset that the idea of policing political ads could um, inhibit free speech. It could potentially, it silences people. And when you have to police, when you go to issue-based things, that's when you, who is the, the ultimate truth arbiter and who gets to decide what's, you know, quote unquote true and what's not, where's the line. And that's why I almost support Twitter's approach to this, that, you know, if we can't all come to a consensus as to what's true and what's not, and, and, you know, all come to the playing field with a very basic idea of what's true and what's not, I would just ban political ads altogether and issue-based ads altogether, because you also have the, the problem of what's a political ad. So, you know, obvious ones like, oh, if it's for a particular candidate, yeah, that's obviously a political ad. But what if it is uh, for a gun rights group? Is that a political ad? You know, that's, we sort of associate gun rights and Second Amendment rights with the right and, and more conservative views. So is that a political ad? I don't know. That's something that I guess Twitter's going to have to figure out since they've decided that this is their new blanket policy. But, uh, and same thing that I brought up earlier is uh, abortion rights or women's access to those kinds of uh, pregnancy matters and things like that. Is that a political ad or is that is that an issue, a political issue, or is that a, a healthcare issue? Is that is that political? Inherently, when you're arguing it, it is a political issue, but at its very basic core, can that still be advertised without it being political? I don't know. I do support Twitter's move because I, I feel like we get enough politics and we get enough political ads elsewhere. And besides, on these places like Facebook and Twitter, we subscribe to our political views and we get sort of ads and, and things thrown at us, you know, for the politicians that we're looking at anyway. So the political ads, in my view, are kind of unnecessary, especially, you know, with, with how polarized that we are. You know, if you're somebody who is on the right uh, and you're, you know, looking anywhere except Donald Trump, I, I don't like no one is going to vote for the the other candidates that are running against Trump for the 2020 nomination. And then if you're a Democrat, first of all, uh, the, the liberal base is, you know, on Twitter is much more left than than anywhere else. So political Twitter is just a different place. It's, it's just a different. It's a different beast. But I. I am really in favor of this. I really don't think that politics needs to be, especially when we can't come to a consensus on truth. You know, if we're going to be fighting over this and we can't figure it out, then nobody gets it. You know, nobody can play. Nobody can win anymore. And to be honest, if I could see less political ads in general, I'd be okay with that. You know, if, if we can just, you know, confine them to the, you know, TV ads and things like that, I'd be all right with that. And Twitter will be just fine without political ads. You know, they they have a good ad platform. Facebook has a good platform, if, if they wanted to, they could help contribute to uh, changing some of the polarization in this country because I think they contributed to making us polarized. So I think they could step up and contribute to reducing some of that polarization by, you know, cutting back on some of the ads and, and some of the things like that. Uh, but Mark Zuckerberg has no interest in that. Um, he's in recent days since Twitter has announced it, I think there's been a little bit more of a consideration of it, but I still don't think he's going to change his mind. He's made his point clear. 
Mark Zuckerberg is not someone who likes to admit wrongdoing or admit his faults or flaws in Facebook's uh, ad platforms and things like that. So I I don't know. I, I just hope that Facebook can step up and, and maybe ban the political ads altogether because that right there creates a level playing field. So, so even conservatives who say that, you know, social media is biased against conservatives, even if you're, you're someone that believes that this creates a much more level playing field, because then it means that you're not going to have these, uh, in their eyes, if they're lies against conservatives or lies about Trump, you're not going to have that anymore. There aren't going to be any more of these kinds of political ads that are with the intent of misleading. So whether it's on the right or on the left, there's no more misleading coming from your politicians. They could come from other places, but your politicians just aren't going to be there anymore. It's only going to be, you know, on their own feeds. We'll be right back. Did you know that Millennially Speaking is now on Twitter? Check us out at underscore MS podcast. There'll be live tweets for events like debates and all kinds of fun stuff. So check us out there on Twitter at underscore MS podcast. We're back, and next what I'd like to talk about is retail and retail employees. So I want to start this off by saying this comes from a place of seeing posts on Facebook where people complain that you lose good people in retail because of poor management. And to be honest, I'm really sick of seeing those posts, but I will sympathize for a little bit and let me explain. What I'm about to say is not a new observation. I'm pretty sure that most people who have worked in retail feel this way, so if you're looking for fresh insight, it's not going to be this. But uh, what I will say is um, I think big companies and big uh, retailers are really putting a lot on their staffs, and the the bar and the expectation levels that are set by these corporations the the problem is is that i feel that there's no accountability with uh, the the employees and and this is a, a it's based on a corporate culture thing and not every corporation is like this and not every retailer is like this but there are definitely some out there and i know that there are plenty of people that i've talked to that i see they post on facebook about it and things like that where their employer their retail employer is just overworking the really good solid employees and the lackluster and not as good employees can skate by on similar pay and similar hours but doing much less and I just wish that all retailers would uh, really kick up some of the accountability because for me at least I've noticed that you know it's not like Every single person is, they're all bad employees or they're lazy or things like that. It's just, you'll get, you know, and we all feel this way sometimes, you know, you're, you're tired, you're feeling lazy or you're, you're just done with your shift and you're, you're, you're just done, but you'll do one little thing that's, you know, I, I'm be blunt. That's a little selfish and it's a little lazy. You'll do something that you know, you're not doing it the, the correct way and it, it sort of, you, you know, you, you leave a mess or something, whatever. Um, and then, you know, maybe somebody else does the same thing and, and somebody else does it too or whatever. Uh, when when individuals do one thing, it it's not a big deal, but then you get multiple people doing 
lazy things and it sort of piles on top of it. So then when you get the really dedicated employees, it all sort of falls on top of them that things have to get done. And the only way they're going to get done is if somebody does it. So, you know, if you don't have just a solid team that is all committed to this, you know, we all care about each other as human beings, not necessarily just as employees, but as human beings, that if that were me, I wouldn't want to be left with a situation where, you know, I'm stuck doing all this work that was somebody else's responsibility. So I want to make sure I leave whatever I'm leaving, you know, right for the next person. Just be a dedicated person for all of us. It's it's not about doing it for, for one person. It's about, you know, being a team. And, you know, companies talk all the time in their little promotional videos and the, the things that they do for training about how we're a team, we're a dedicated team, we care about our team and things like that. Well, from the top down, it's so important that management understands that that's supposed to be the case and reflects that down on even the sort of the lowest person on the ladder. That if at the top we represent this team mentality, that, you know, we're, we're all on the same page and we're all on this understanding that if even the person at the top would do this, that the person at the bottom feels like, you know what, I'll do it. You know, I don't feel like the the managers or, or leadership are elites. It feels like we're all on the same page. We all care about doing this. If something needs to get done, they'll step in and do it, but they don't make my job harder and they don't, I don't feel like I am the lowest on the ladder. And I'm going to tell you from my personal experience, you know, I've had ups and downs in my jobs in in my, in my career, you know, things that one day I'll feel super encouraged and I'll feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm liking it here. I like my job. And then other days where I feel like I really wish I could quit today but it, it's it's all about just being a team and I just wish that you know it, it's one of the reasons that I personally would never work at either Walmart or McDonald's because there's another part of this where it's not just how retailers and management treats each other but if you work at like a Walmart or McDonald's the way that your clientele treats the store and treats the employees that there's just a different I don't know what it is, but, but like the reputation of those two companies, they treat the employees like they're garbage, like they are stupid, like they're lazy. So then it reflects back and it's almost like a chicken and the egg situation of it's, you know, are the employees bad so they get treated poorly by customers or do customers already have this idea in their head about who the employees are and then reflects it back onto the, you know, the, the employees. It's maybe both are true at the same time that it's sort of this, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's, it's like I said, it's one of the reasons I would never work at either of those retailers only because of how the clientele treats the employees. So uh, just to sort of summarize here, I think, you know, management leaders really need to build teams and, and really rally everybody in, in any retail environment and really, you know, treat everybody the same way and, and help each other out. But then also, I think as customers and, and as people who just, you know, visit these places, we need to understand where employees are coming from and not set their bar so high that you expect you're going to get this perfect customer service every time. We're all humans, you know, sometimes you can't be the perfect uh, customer service, like maybe there's an issue or whatever that you can't, you know, fix that it's not that employee's fault. Stop treating it like it is that employee's fault. Most of the time, it's not. But let's be real. I mean, 
to be honest, most of the people that I see commenting and posting about this kind of thing on Facebook about, you know, good, you got to have a good manager because that's how you have bad or, or it'll, it'll you'll lose all your good people when you have bad managers and things like that. I'm like, most of the people that post those kind of things, let's be real, they're not that good. So this is not just coming from me. This is, you know, some people that like to complain about it on Facebook. And to be honest, I'm kind of tired of seeing most of the complaints about where you work and how you work in retail. We'll be right back. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at millennially underscore speaking. You'll see videos for upcoming podcasts. You'll see some breaking news stories and all kinds of fun stuff. So make sure you, again, you check us out on Instagram at millennially underscore speaking. We're back. And the last thing I wanted to talk about is now that we're post Halloween, it's this episode's coming out on November 1st. Some towns in the area had moved their Halloween celebrations, their trick or treating, their parades, whatever it is. Some towns have decided to move their celebrations due to the weather. So, I mean, I'm I'm not here to predict anything because I'm I'm actually recording this on Thursday at about 1:30, and I don't know what the trick or treating weather is going to be. So, uh, I don't want to date the the podcast, but some towns did decide to move Halloween because of forecast. So, specifically, I know Hamilton moved their celebration to the 30th, so theirs already happened. Some towns have decided to move theirs to Friday, so tomorrow, November 1st, or sorry, today, the, the day that the, sh- the show's coming out, November 1st, and others have decided they're just going to keep it. They're going to leave it on October 31st. So, first of all, just to sort of bring my bias out from the beginning, I don't really like Halloween that much. I don't I never really have, like even when I was a kid, I didn't really love trick-or-treating. I'm not really a candy person, so the whole candy thing doesn't really do it for me. Um, I'm also kind of awkward, so I don't love the whole going up to strangers' houses and knocking on their door and asking for something that I don't actually really want to begin with. Um, I don't love dressing up in costume either, so really every single aspect of the whole Halloween and trick-or-treating thing, I'm not really a fan of. So, you know, it's never been my thing. But I don't understand, first of all, the, the fighting about people and their complaints about weather. So you've got people who are boomers or maybe a little bit younger that, oh, when I was a kid, it just rained and it just, Halloween sucked and it just rained and you ran in your rain and whatever. Okay. I get it. Yes. Some parents are a little bit too protective and rain is just rain and get over it. But the, some of the rudeness that I'm seeing on these Facebook town pages is a little bit overboard. Um, if people don't like to be in the rain, okay, then a lot of people don't like being in the rain. I hate the rain. So, you know, if, if that were me, I'd probably just not go trick-or-treating. If that was, you know, the, the decision that had to be made, I probably wouldn't go trick-or-treating because I don't like going out in the rain. You know, when boomers and, and maybe some early Gen Xers were younger, a lot of their costumes were just, you know, things that you found in the closet. They were clothes or whatever, and you just wore those. Now, I, they have a whole Halloween industry of you know, seasonal stores go to Spirit Halloween and they have these elaborate costumes that are, you know, super, they're expensive. They're, you know, they're really specific. Uh, one of my costumes, you know, as a, I'm a scout leader and, and the costume that I wore this year was a, one of those wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube men things that you see outside of car washes. So if that were to be in the rain, that would ruin it. 
you know, there's a, there's a fan inside that, that blows the air to keep it inflated. If it were raining, not only would I deflate, but it might ruin the battery. It might ruin the motor inside. So that's a costume that I wouldn't be able to wear out in the rain. You know, if you're just wearing regular clothes, uh, that's fine. It's, that's not going to hurt anything. It's, it's just rain, but some people don't like to be out in the rain. So give them a rest. Um, I think the whole hustle to switch Halloween around to me was kind of a mess and I wouldn't have done that, but I think some towns were reacting to the most vocal people on Facebook and I think that was their mistake, especially because there was no consensus as to when it should be moved to. So the fact that Hamilton moved theirs to the 30th where others moved them to the 1st, that's kind of an issue. So back in 2012, there is some precedent to moving Halloween, only slightly though, um, we had Superstorm Sandy here in New Jersey. So Governor Chris Christie signed an executive order that moved Halloween into November. And there was a lot of pushback and a lot of people weren't happy about that, but it made it so that with with the circumstances that they were with Superstorm Sandy being so late in October and it was, you know, these extraordinary circumstances, it was what made the most sense. You know, you had people on the coast who are on the shore that have some issues, they're not able to get out of their homes, they're not able to get to their homes, whatever. When you move the the date, it makes it better for... It's the people like us who are... We understand what's going on at the shore, but we're not close enough to the shore to actually experience it, so we were probably the most... Uh, the, the people most inland, closest to Philly and, and closest to PA and, and things like that, that really weren't seeing the effects of it, so we're like, oh, why are we moving Halloween? But... If it were me, I would have just, you know, if I were a mayor making these decisions, I would have just kept it the way it was. I would say, like, if there was a, a parade or something, I would probably have already had a built-in rain date. That would have been a much smarter move, is to have a rain date built in, and I would have made it the weekend. There's also discussion that people want President Trump to declare the first or the last Saturday in October to be Halloween, which... If you want to make Halloween a permanent Saturday holiday, sure, uh, that would make sense too, but that's not how it is. I think it's, you know, I, I really hate the the weekday holiday too. I think that's really awful. It's irritating. And, you know, the, most Halloween, uh, at least in our area, most Halloweens have curfews at eight o'clock. So you can't even do the late night Halloween trick-or-treating anymore. It's, you know, some towns are two to eight, others are three to eight. Um, it's... There are a lot more rules and restrictions on it than there used to be, and I think a lot of people don't understand that, and they're confused as to, oh, all the rain and things like that, oh, and they're all just changing all these rules. All right, well, yeah, things are a lot more heavily regulated because, you know, kids are getting hit by cars, and, and you gotta make some new rules because people aren't driving safely, so now we have to punish everybody. So, anyway, to, to get back on track, I would say that the the whole Halloween thing is ridiculous. The All the fights over moving it and all the you know, anger and frustration over moving it. It is what it is, guys. It's just a, a dumb holiday. Just why, why do we care in the first place? Just do the celebration, wear your costume, go get some free candy, whatever you want. But let's not be so rude about moving the dates. Just just do what you got to do. And that's all for this edition of Millennially Speaking. I'm David Latimer. Be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you like this podcast, share us with your friends. Thanks for listening.